0: Welcome to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series. This podcast presents topical global business stories that affect Bermuda. Series host Shivani Seth interviews business leaders and experts in finance, insurance, reinsurance, risk, accounting, and other business services. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the RG Navigate Business Podcast. Today's topic is global tax. I look forward to uncovering the complexities of this tax agreement. I am Shivani Sait and I'm your host. I'm excited to welcome Will McCallum. He's the Managing Director and Head of Tax at KPMG. Welcome, Will. Hi, Shivani. Hi. Uh, So today's topic, very topical, very important, is to understand more about global tax so I'm looking forward, I, your reputation actually precedes you. You seem nice. to be the tax guru in Bermuda. Certainly everyone I talk to tells me that. <laughs> Great, glad to so hear it. Not, not to put you on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. So uh, in today's session, we, you know, I'd like to explain to the listeners a little bit more about it. So a couple of questions I'm going to fire at you. I hope you're ready for me. So in June 2021, the OECD announced an agreement on a two-pillar approach to reform international tax laws. Could you please tell me a little bit about each?
1: Okay. Um, I guess if if we just roll back the clock a touch, sort of five, six years ago, um, the OECD passed a a very comprehensive set of modifications to the global tax system. Okay. Uh, These are the original BEPS BEPS rules. Yes. Um, And... you know, the ink wasn't even really wet on those before they kind of went back to the drawing board and said, wow, we did that. Who could imagine we would, that would have been possible? <laughs> what else can we do, basically? Where else can we plug the gaps? And so this all started very much um, carrying forward from the first BEPS action, action one yes. of, the, of the original rules. Um, and was focused on how do we tax this tricky digital economy it's different people don't make bricks anymore and always build houses they create value and, and generate sure. profits other ways in, in multinational sort of context so um, they, they formulated this pillar two approach that was designed to do two things pillar one was focused on really more effectively taxing the digital economy sure um, it wasn't it's not limited to the digital economy but that was really the poster child for this so if if um, a consumer in germany is doing a google search Uh, and Google is making money off of that in Silicon Valley, why doesn't Germany get to tax some of that? So really focused on profits allocation and taxing rights that better mirrored where value is created and where products were consumed and and allowed the rest of the world to participate in the taxation of of sort of the digital economy. So
0: almost focusing on uh, changing where large companies pay their tax.
1: Absolutely, and that's really important. So Pillar 1 doesn't actually generate a lot of new tax, it's just who gets to collect it. Okay. Okay. it for years and years really up until sort of almost uh, the spring or the summer of 2021. That was what made the headlines. So the Amazon, Google, yes. Uber's people like that. That's right. Um, the global financial services in industry, including uh, participants in Bermuda, looked at those rules and with trepidation and and you know monitored the progress very closely. But it really became apparent in 2021 that it was less likely to be an issue for certainly. Um, multinationals with a presence in Bermuda in the financial services industry, and that's for a couple of reasons. The rules really modified to only target the very largest, I mean the very largest multinationals on the planet, a relatively small number of them. Um, They also specifically carved out highly regulated financial services like banks, like insurance companies. So that that was sort of projected... Really, a couple of years ago, uh, it, it sort of wavered back and forth a little bit, but it really became pretty obvious, and it now is obvious, that, in fact, uh, the Pillar 1 rules are less likely to the sort of entities we really care about in Bermuda, primarily okay. global financial service industries. Pillar 2 is very different. Pillar 2 is basically focused on ensuring that all large multinationals pay a minimum amount of tax, no matter where they operate.
0: So, when you say minimum amount of tax, we keep seeing in the headlines introducing global minimum tax of 15%. Is it not necessarily 15%? Because I think that's the understanding that we get, that's the impression we have, is that we're being slapped with, you know, 15% tax come what may, that's what we have to pay.
1: that's sort of true. I mean, the rules are incredibly complex and more importantly, their application to sort of the entire universe of large multinationals and what they do and how they earn income is really, really complicated. But, but it, 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 you're not too far off sort of the mark. If you say, look, if you're a large multinational, so you need to be large, which is 750 million euros of turnover a year. Okay. uh, And you need to be a multinational. You need, you need to have a presence in more than one jurisdiction as a group. Um, If you're a large multinational, um, you will probably be subject to tax in every jurisdiction in which you operate at a minimum rate of 15%. Now, it's, it's important to qualify that a little bit. Um, a lot of people look at the, the rules as they're sort of presented in the headlines um, and, and Bermuda's sort of um, uh, commitment to the rules, I suppose, yes. if you will, as yes. a member of the inclusive framework and, and imply from that that Bermuda... And every other jurisdiction on the planet will be required to impose a corporate income tax at a rate of at least fifteen percent. That sure. is not the case. Um, these rules certi- certainly, certainly, uh, you know, implicitly encourage every jurisdiction on the planet to tax domestically all okay. income earned within their borders of fifteen percent. But it is absolutely not a requirement. What these rules do is provide an ability for the rest of the world to come in over the top. sure, And tax income earned in another jurisdiction, that could be Bermuda, it could be Cayman, it could be Singapore, Hong Kong, could be the United States. If that jurisdiction effectively doesn't exercise their primary taxing right to get up to 15%, the rest of the world can come in over top and collect it for them, for them. Okay. in their separate jurisdictions.
0: So essentially, there won't be one jurisdiction that will end up receiving all that tax. We're trying to or they're trying to equate it in their agree- agreement so that every jurisdiction collects it?
1: Sort of. Uh, the agreement's kind of gone a slightly different way, which is, um, and not to oversimplify it, but effectively, we don't care who collects it as long as someone does. Okay. As long <laughs> as multinationals um, are subject to a rate of at least 15% on the income they earn in every single jurisdiction in which they operate, you always see... OECD doesn't really seem to be too fussed about who collects it, and and you actually see that come through in the sense that for a large multinational with a global footprint um, that is affected by these rules certain ways, and there's a need to actually dole out, this, okay. we call it top-up tax, to yes. dole out this top-up tax to the universe in which this, this sort of organization operates. It's incredibly arbitrary. There's no a, a sort of attempt to make it fair, to make sure right. that France gets its fair share and Spain gets its well, fair I was, share. I know
0: I read an article that Biden had actually said, you know, the U.S. might actually not get its fair share. They might get less tax. So so an interesting question, something to think about for the future, for sure. Um, if I just pull back a little bit, there are 100 and roughly 136 Uh, countries that have signed up to this agreement or are hoping to introduce it into their countries. A suggested date of 2023 for the agreement has come into effect. Um, It's been mentioned. Do you feel that this date is a little bit aggressive? I, I ask that because a recent article states that Switzerland has said they'll implement their minimum tax rate in 2024. So, do you think, you know, looking at Bermuda, Bermuda is one of those 136 countries. Is there a possibility we need to delay? You know, what, what is our, where, where are we at, really?
1: I guess if we think, first of all, globally, because, frankly, the global implementation of this will probably inform jurisdictions like Bermuda on, on whether they respond to these rules and how they respond. Again, Bermuda okay. has made a commitment as a member of the inclusive framework that if it implements the requirements of Pillar 2, it doesn't have to, uh, at least through the construct of, sure. of the OECD, it will adopt them a certain way. Um, but it doesn't actually have to adopt them. So Bermuda may react, and we'll, we'll maybe talk about that in a minute. But in terms of how the rest of the world implements these rules, the OECD got a major shot in the arm in the spring of 2021 when the U.S. sort of put their shoulder into this into the movement yes, here, the yes. sort of the generation of the rules. There's a lot of momentum; they don't want to lose it. So I think okay. they're 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 really sticking to this notion of. 2023 implementation of the first wave of pillar two there's actually several waves contemplated including some in 2024 but um i think most people view that with skepticism Uh, most people i think regard it as possible the income inclusion rule which is sort of the cornerstone of the pillar two rules would come into effect in some jurisdictions january 1st 2023 i think most people regard that as an effort to keep the political momentum moving yes but You know, at the end of the day, this is a hundred and some fraction or or portion, uh, maybe all of the 136 members of the Inclusive Framework, domestically legislating these rules into their sort of tax framework. Okay. Um, In some countries, that's incredibly hard and will not be achievable by January 1st, 2023. So, and that will inform Bermuda's response. I mean, Bermuda has to decide as a jurisdiction whether it responds at all, whether it just sort of says, all right. We're good. You know, we have a system we've had in place for hundreds of years. Uh, there, You know, consumption-based indirect taxes works very well. It pays our bills. It is dependable. Um, and it works better in a smaller, less diversified economy than something like a corporate tax or, or, sure. or two-tax. They may also respond with a view that, well, you know, the world has changed. And certainly it may be advantageous for us to... Um, Employ some kind of a regime that, rather th- when, when a top-up tax basically um, accrues and is and a, a, a multinational with a presence in Bermuda is now subject to the Pillar Two tax and will yes. have an increased tax burden as a result sure. on its income in Bermuda, will Bermuda implement some sort of a regime that would have that tax stay here rather than going to Germany, France, Spain, sure. Japan, Canada, that sort of thing? It's certainly possible. It's
0: possible, um, and I
1: think so- I think the the reaction of government will be governed by at least to an extent what the rest of the world does and when they do it
0: and in their timely fashion so you know if I've understood it correctly over time the new tax agreement will narrow the net profitability gap between Bermuda and non-Bermuda incorporated companies Uh, have I understood that correctly and you know how many companies in Bermuda do you think will actually be affected by this?
1: Um, so I guess you know it. It is certainly possible that large multinationals with a presence in Bermuda will be subject to more tax in the form of the pillar two top-up sure. tax than they're currently subject to tax on. Again, it, it's it. It is difficult to assess. I guess the overall number of companies um, and the impact on the large multinationals. We sort of see the names and the buildings, primarily yes. that you know the big reinsurers and all that of sort course. of thing. It's going to depend a lot on how the world adopts and implements Pillar 2. And 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 if there isn't seamless global adoption of this, either soon or ever, who knows, um, it will depend a lot on the jurisdictional footprint of each specific entity. I mean, I so think it's a, it's, if the rules carry forward in any sort of way, it certainly seems likely that Bermuda companies will have an additional tax burden over what they have today. Again, the large right. multinationals with a presence in Bermuda. It's,
0: it's an interesting one. We keep talking about jurisdiction. Uh, companies, as we've seen over time, have actually changed their jurisdiction to make it more beneficial for them. It, again, is that is that a risk that, that we could have here, that people start changing their jurisdiction to find, say, in Switzerland, as you said, you know, Pillar 2, it's it's up to you to decide which part of it you're going to implement to say you decide to implement a part of the global minimum tax it might not hit the 15% are we not going to run into the same difficulty that countries suddenly rush to make their base their you know their, their company in those country countries to avoid paying this tax
1: I, it's there's sort of a couple different ways to answer that i mean if if we end up in a world where more or less this is a globally adopted standard you will never get a better tax deal than you'll get in Bermuda. Now, now you know, in the <laughs> sense that, you know, 15%, if, if this is seamlessly applied globally, and the rules come in and work as well as the OECD hopes, and there's, there's some issues with that, but um, you will really never be in a position where you're going to pay less than 15% if you're a large multinational, no matter where you are. If Switzerland okay. comes out and says, look, we're going to implement, but at 12, that's fine. Everyone else comes in over the top and gets the other three. So so you'll, you'll really never get a better deal. I guess the question is, um, is, is Bermuda, uh, is it, is an entity that has a presence in Bermuda that currently enjoys a very low effective tax rate? Uh, maybe zero. Yes. Um, is it? Is is it less compelling to be in a jurisdiction where now it's fifteen percent? Not because Bermuda's higher than anywhere else, but it's just the differential between Bermuda well, and other jurisdictions. Well, I think that's slower.
0: your yeah. That is, that's exactly my next question. You know, there's a natural concern that the imposition of this pact may erode Bermuda's competitive advantage, as we've just been discussing, and hence make the island a less attractive hub for companies in the future. You know, um, Bermuda has to date benefited from a well-established global reinsurance marketplace. Underpinned by an efficient regulatory regime and strong underwriting expertise, so you know we've talked about what should be happening what will be happening if we fast forwarded three years from now, what do you think could be the likely impact on the Bermuda market and in particular in the reinsurance sector
1: um, you know it, it's funny I mean we, we've we've in the last sort of twenty years certainly since I've been in Bermuda um, there's been so many fundamental, regulatory, tax, um, just environmental changes, really, yes. to, to sort of the the, the industry. Um, and I mean, we, we've all been through situations where the dark clouds and the horizons were really dark, and the lightning bolts were flashing, and we were all worried: is this is this sort of a
0: the end? <laughs>
1: not not the end, but you know, a really pivotal event in the industry. And okay. You kind of wake up, and the clouds have gone away, and the and the you know the roads are drying up, and it's. It's amazing how often as a jurisdiction we've we've kind of shrugged off some of these challenges and you don't want to minimize the the impact of you know some some quite profitable entities now paying tax at maybe at fifteen percent again yes. if this is globally implemented um, whereas right now they 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 pay a much lower rate but I, I don't think you know, it, it, it's, it's regarded as a huge strategic risk to the industry or the jurisdiction. And I know that sounds a little cavalier, but you you, you cited some very good reasons why the reinsurance industry is so strong in, in Bermuda, Bermuda and why Bermuda yes. is so pivotal. It's just developed this role in the global reinsurance market um, where it's fundamental and there's so much expertise here and specialization. There's such yes. a reason to be here in tax. Tax is lower on the list. Now, it's a very different business environment where there sure. actually is tax applied, and that, that will have some people challenging their, you know, maybe not their overall model, but maybe challenging their pricing, maybe well, looking at where they write certain business, all that well, sort of Well, that's the thing.
0: Surely there's a risk that companies may actually try to increase their prices to offset their costs. I, mean, um, I would
1: regard that as a virtual guarantee. I think <laughs> I think pretty much any time a company is subject to a different sort of tax anywhere on the planet, it is the consumer that will that will pay, pay that. ultimately. Yeah. And there's um, certainly a lot of people in the southeast and Florida who depend on Bermuda for you know cat insurance for yes. you know wind events and all that sort of thing who are nervous. Uh, you know, after a f- uh, you know a few windy years in the southeast, reinsurance cover is expensive and difficult to find and Bermuda's had their back for a long time the notion that access to that is is still there but more expensive certainly as a lot of people saying are we doing the right thing
0: here but no that sounds very confident for Bermuda you know it doesn't seem like such a scare tactic sometimes you wake up you woke up on the 1st of January 2022 and thought oh my god we only have 12 months till this tax is coming in so I'm thinking in the mind of a company, that is is very reassuring, the information that you've given me. Do you feel that there, there are likely to be any sweeteners on offer for Bermuda, you know, to help Bermuda remain that international hub for business? And if so, what could they be?
1: It's an interesting one. Um, you know, I think we, again, we have a, a really important place on the world stage, particularly in the reinsurance space and the insurance space. We need to ensure that Bermuda's of jurisdiction remains absolutely as relevant as it is right now. So I mean, our regulation is top notch. We need to keep that up. We need to continue to have appropriate regulation that meets global standards. Um, you know, this needs to be a shiny, cool, fun place to rock up to work, and it is right <laughs> now. And we need to we do really need to make sure that is the case. I think if you if you get a little bit more direct around the tax implication, you know, again, a potential. Um, uh, reaction at the jurisdictional level by Bermuda to these rules might be to um, implement something like we call it a domestic minimum top-up tax. So okay. so the minute, and I'm, I keep picking on European countries just what so what comes to mind, but Germany, <laughs> France, Spain <laughs> sure. says, hey, there's some income in Bermuda that's not subject to tax at a certain rate, we'll have that. You know, We'll have the tax okay. on that through the top-up tax mechanism. The OECD does contemplate rules where at that point, that's when Bermuda's top-up tax system comes into effect only when someone else is actually out to tax a Bermuda entity. right? That's when Bermuda taxes to that exact level. That might result in more revenue to the Bermuda government, and it might allow them to have the ability to reduce other costs of doing business here. Maybe payroll tax gets dialed back. Okay. Maybe import duties get dialed back. Maybe there's some other sort of thing that, you know, a tax that will otherwise be paid globally anyways, if that can be kept in the jurisdiction and deployed in a way sure. to, again, make this place as inexpensive and efficient and, and slick and cool and fast, and all the things I said before, <laughs> as a place to do business. That That is, I that's, think, certainly in the cards. Yeah, that's quite, certainly giving us intriguing. a positive
0: light, making it look like it could be beneficial for us, actually. Forget about the sweetener question. It could be actually beneficial in, in some ways. Yeah. Um so, just to really finish off, the implementation of a global tax part of the pillar two reform, as we stated earlier, seems to be more optional, and by that, I mean it's more of a template than a requirement for countries to adopt exactly what is described. so we've talked a little bit about you know what could happen in three years, what could happen in two years, what really should be our next steps here in Bermuda? You know we're in twenty twenty two we certainly aren't that far away from having to think about it to actually perhaps start putting things into play. What, yeah. what would you think of? What would you recommend, perhaps, as the next steps?
1: Maybe one qualifier on that. So it's an optional sort of overall implementation. So whether or not you implement Pillar 2 or not is sort of up to the jurisdiction. Okay. If you do you better do it the way they want you to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're very clear on that. So you don't have to do it, but if you do it, you're doing it our way or you're not doing it at all. And that's really important because if everyone has different rules, we don't have a seamlessly globally integrated system. Okay. There's slippage and double tax and all that. But but anyways, I, th- I, I suspect what's happening right now, um, and, and it only makes sense, I think Bermuda is watching with interest right now just what is next. So, we've got, okay. you know, you read in the paper quite appropriately the inclusive framework and the G20. They've all sat down several times yes. uh, over the last year and said, we like this, it's done, we're going to do this. Uh, there are still destabilizing events. I mean, countries now actually have to make this happen. Um, the one thing we're watching with a ton of interest right now is the US, who's very committed to this process, and as I said, you know, lent a lot of momentum to this they have to change their own tax rules to align with Pillar 2. You can read the paper, you watch CNN, sure. that's not going very well. The, the, you know <laughs> Congress's efforts to modify their tax system with different objectives, but part of the objective is to look like Pillar 2, so the rest of the world says, all right, well, if the U.S. is doing it, we're going to do it Sh- as yes. well. It's not happening right now. So if the U.S. process to effectively change their rules to look like Pillar 2 fails... Does everyone else do it? Or do the other people say, well, if the U.S. isn't going to do it, why would I do it? Why would I foist this sort of burden on entities in my jurisdiction if the largest economy in the world won't? So I think long-winded way of answering your question, I think Bermuda is watching. You know, we are closer now to something that could happen, as you said, January first, 2023. There's a lot that still has to happen before we can sort of make an assessment as a jurisdiction or at specific industry okay. levels, is this a global, seamlessly integrated regime we need to react to? If it's not, the reaction could be different.
0: And at the company level for those companies that exceed that seven hundred and fifty million euro that we talked about earlier, I'm sure they must have their thinking caps on. They must have in-house teams talking, discussing, planning. Absolutely. A plan A, plan B. Yeah.
1: Now these <laughs> are I mean it's a very well formed uh stakeholder group, and they're very much watching with interest. And uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of our clients are they've modeled out the potential implications. they've fed into where they can commentary around the development of the rules. Um, they're they're keeping their their key stakeholders, shareholders, directors, that sort of thing informed and watching and waiting to a certain
0: extent for sure. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been incredibly informative, and I certainly cleared up a few of the questions I had myself personally. I'm Shivani Sate, and I've been your host today. I would like to thank my guest, Will McCallum, Managing Director, Head of Tax at KPMG. You've been listening to the RG Navigate Bermuda. These and more podcasts can be found on the Royal Gazette website. You've been listening to the RG Podcast Network and the RG Business Navigate series with host Shivani Seth. Check the Royal Gazette for the next episode. Thank you for listening.